Oscar Combs here, and I want to put one rumor to rest, once and for all. The story is that Rafferty's goes all out for sports fans. And let me tell you, it's absolutely true. Confirmed. And fans love Rafferty's right back because the food is so terrific. Serve fresh, serve fast, serve friendly, lunch or dinner. Rafferty's menu is jam-packed with all your favorites. Steaks, prime rib, chicken, ribs, delicious dishes and generous sizes that really satisfy the appetite. So come hang with the sports crowd at Rafferty's. It's the tastiest place in town. Welcome to Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and Double Dogs. Episode 72 is the final installment of Oscar's three-part series with Marty Moore. From growing up in Fort Thomas, Kentucky, to becoming a Wildcat, to being known as Mr. Irrelevant, to being a two-time Super Bowl champion, Marty Moore has had quite the journey. Along Marty's way, there's been teammates and coaches that has shaped him in becoming the person he is today. Marty shares his thoughts and memories of his teammates and coaches at Kentucky, as well as his head coaches in the NFL. There's a wide range of emotions in this episode, including an encounter with the late Joey Couch that will tug at your heartstrings. It's the side of football players fans rarely see, the human emotion attached to relationships throughout one's life and career. And Marty, he's going to let you in on his mind and his heart for a powerful account of the people that mean the most to him. This is Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and Double Dogs, and his guest, Marty Moore. Just a little short comment about each of these players uh, that were your teammates at Kentucky. Uh, Zane Bean. Zane, Mr. Football. You know, I'm pretty sure Zane was Mr. Football coming out of uh, Owensboro. Um, you know, Zane was that guy that uh, didn't say much, but was just a great athlete. I mean, great athlete. You know, he – he was uh he was that tweener. We didn't know what to do with him. Playing with defensive end, playing with linebacker, but uh, just uh he was a he was a great teammate and uh, and a great player. Howard Carter. Howard was a JUCO guy. You know Howard was a JUCO guy, and you know he uh I think him and Zane playing defensive ends for us my senior year were uh, really kind of the uh, the staples of of us on a, on a defensive line perspective but uh you know he was a he was a beast he was a big guy he still lives here in lexington and has a concrete business john collins john was funny I, a little story about john so john sonny collins son or uh brother younger brother so I did not know that. yeah so john collins was uh sonny was his older brother and uh so my uh senior year of high school i'm playing in the kentucky tennessee all-star game right and uh, john's my roommate and John, I uh, opened the door to put my stuff in my dorm room, and there's John, my roommate. And I look in, and I'm like, holy crap. If this is the D- Division One, I'm in trouble. Because <laughs> John, John was huge, but but he was our character. He he, uh, he he made fun of Coach Curry, and, you know, he uh, he was just – he was he was a character and just a really funny and kind of the comedian of the team kind of thing. Billy Lofton. Billy, Billy, Billy was the guy who played right in front of me. You know, Billy was another junior college transfer that um, 
you know, just a man among boys and, uh, was, it was the reason that, uh, I made, made some tackles my senior year. Deuce Williams. Deuce is one of my dear friends, you know, um, he's, uh, he's a guy came in as a, as a freshman with me, came in as a safety. And then, uh, he ended up playing weak side linebacker, uh, my senior year, uh, after Reggie Smith had graduated. But Deuce, Deuce was, uh, an emotional leader. He was, uh, you know, uh, just a just a great teammate, and really pushed pushed me and pushed the other guys on the team to to do to do better, and really was instrumental in us uh, getting to a bowl game my senior year. Marcus Jenkins. Marcus Jenkins, you know, Marcus, he was he was a he was a hell of safety. You know, he really was. I mean, he was that. You know, his flow, his athleticism uh, was all SEC his senior year. Um, Marcus didn't really say much, another junior college transfer, but uh, just a good teammate. Don Robinson. D. Rob was was the he was he was the professor, you know, if you will. You know, he was always preaching and rapping, and you know, but uh, he was another just a really good teammate. Melvin Johnson. Melvin, Melvin, you know, he's. Uh, I worry about Melvin. You know, Melvin was a. Uh, was a great player. He'd come up and hit you like a freight train, you know. Um, and uh, I think I think he was a leader back there with those guys because he just played so passionately, so hard, and was so physical. And I think now Melvin's having some mental issues, and and uh, I really wish the best for Melvin. But um, he's uh, he was he was a he was a really good player. Played played four or five years for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Kurt Johnson. Kurt, you know, he came in as a freshman. He played immediately, so it was uh, it was one of those things where he was kind of the 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 uh, prima donna of the freshman class, right? We all got redshirted except for Kurt. Um, but uh, Kurt was that guy that at six a.m. workouts, he'd stay up all night, show up at six a.m. workouts, and still kill everybody. You know, he was that guy. You're like, man, are you superhuman? Like, what the hell's wrong with you? You know, but uh, but he's. Uh, Paducah Tillman guy and just uh, was a really good player. Freddie Maker. Freddie. You know, I love Freddie. Freddie, you know, um, Freddie was older. Everybody loves Freddie. Freddie was older, you know. Freddie, a lot of lot of people don't understand this. Freddie Maggard was a heck of a baseball player coming out of Cumberland, right? And so Freddie, you know, had this 90-some-mile-an-hour fastball, you know, and he chose to play football at Kentucky because, you know, he had – come been a Kentucky fan family Eastern Kentucky and we get and he's starting as a freshman and we're down in North Carolina he goes back for a pass and a guy rips his shoulder and he and he gets hurt and he uh, has to get surgery and Freddie was never the same but you know you talk about a teammate and talk about somebody that loved University of Kentucky football and I'm really happy for Freddie in the position he's in. Um, you know, I don't think a lot of people will know that Freddie graduated from UK and then he went into the military for 20 years and then graduated from the military. You know, but uh, we used to go down to Cumberland every year and play in their golf tournament. And let's just say that was a lot of fun, you know, uh, but uh, but just a, just a great human being and a, and a great person. And, and I'm very proud to say I call him a friend. Dean Wells. Dean was that freak athlete no one knew about. You know, Dean ended up playing 10 years in the NFL, and 
he was that guy that just he he I mean any workout he'd kill everybody in because he was so much faster than everybody and you know um, physicality wise and you know just football player wise he was he was he was somebody that uh, but I looked up to he was a year older than I was and I looked up to Dean and you know I never remember I'll never forget his freshman year down in Alabama is my redshirt freshman year and Dean jumps over the personal protector and blocks a punt down there as a true freshman you know and no one knew who Dean Wells was coming out when we you know our senior year Dean Dean played defensive end so Dean was rushing passer every play and and I'll never forget they uh he got an invite to the combine when we went to the combine everybody's like who is this guy you know, he vort- verticals over 40, he runs a 4-5, four, a four, kills the shuttle. And then all of a sudden, he's a fourth-round draft pick. But no one knew who Dean Wells was <laughs> until he went to the combine, you know. So, but he had a great NFL career. Randy Holleran. Randy was the guy that, you know, he uh, he's the reason I played linebacker. You know, my freshman year, I went in as a, in a, I went in as a fullback, even though, you know, I was the – you know the kind of the best vote you know defensive player in the country in the state of Kentucky my senior year I came here as a fullback behind Andy Murray and um, Randy blows his knee out the first day of training camp and uh, I, I then moved to linebacker but Randy Randy was that guy that you know just had a great career at Kentucky and I looked up to and really aspired to to play play as hard as Randy did Jeff Brady Jeff's from my hometown, and um, Jeff's another one of these guys who was a sleeper. You know, played 10 years in the NFL, um, came to Kentucky's walk-on, you know, worked really hard, and, um, you know, we were really tight. Uh, I'll never forget, I was I was with the uh, I was with the Cleveland Browns, and Jeff was with the Indianapolis Colts, and we're, we're getting ready to scrimmage him, right? And Jeff walks over during the middle of our stretch and walks up to me and goes, What's up, homie? <laughs> My coach is like, who the hell's that, Marty? <laughs> I'm like, don't ask. Jeff, Jeff beat to his own drummer, you know. He's, but uh, you know, he's he was just a great teammate as well. So I like Joey Couch. Yeah, Joey. You know, Joey was that guy that you know, just always smiling, always happy. You know, always, always. You know, hey buddy, hey buddy. You know, and um, you know, I saw Joey. It's interesting, you know, Joey. Joey had some issues toward the end of his life. And um, I saw him at Carabas. So I was with my family, with my kids. And um, we're sitting there eating. And uh, Joey and his wife were sitting in another booth. And I didn't see Joey. And I'm sitting there eating, talking to my kids. And Joey walked by me. And my son goes, Dad, do you know that guy? And I looked and I said, yeah. I said, that's Joey Couch. And uh, he goes, wasn't he the guy who, you know, did something during a game in front of us? And I said, yeah, that's him. I said, you know, I said, but Joey's a really good person, Mason. And um, he said, okay. So I sat there and I thought, do I say something to Joey? You know, is Joey okay? Am I going to bring him over here to my kids and is he going to be okay? And so I thought, I sat there for a second, and I thought, you know what? I don't care if he is or not, because if he's not, I'm going to make sure he's, he gets some help. And so 
He walked back over. And Joey sat down. And sat there and talked to us for 30 minutes. And so I thought, you know what? That would have been really... really bad if I'd have let him walk out of here and not sat down here and had and talked to him and see how he's doing. And it was a lesson I learned as a, as an adult, you know, cuz I've always I always help people and I look at that and and uh, and I said, you know, that 30 minutes of him talking and me making sure he was good and making sure everything was good in his life and then he had turned his life around. And then the week later, he died. And I looked at my kids, and I said, I'm going to Joey Couch's funeral. And my son says, that's the guy that we met at Caravas, right, Dad? And I said, yep. And uh, he said, good thing you talked to him, isn't it? And I said, yes, it is. He says, a really good thing I talked to him. And I said, uh, he's in a better place, Mason because I was really happy that he had turned his life around and was in the right direction. And I think that, you know, Joey having to, you know, um, you know, dying um, as a person, I'm just glad that he was in a better place when he met God. And uh, it's tragic that that happened and uh, tragic that these things happen in our lives. But, I was really proud of Joey that he had finally got things turned around for him. And um, I was sad that he had passed because he had touched so many guys. He was such a great teammate to a lot of people. But um, it uh, it definitely was something that was a reminder to me about how life is so short and that how little moments in your life just taking the time to do the little things for people is so important so yeah Jerry Bale Jerry's another one you know um, I see Jerry all the time and uh, you know he's a guy that just you know, as a football player, I mean, you know, was just such a such a good player, such a good teammate. Um, you know, and um, when when that happened in Jerry, and there's all kinds of stories about what happened and what didn't, but all you know is a gun went off and he was shot in his head. And Jerry, you know, Don. That woman deserves a metal, silver, platinum, whatever star you want to give her. Because Jerry's got it all up on top. He knows who you are. He knows everything that's going on. He loves Kentucky football. And his caregiver, Don, you can call her, I don't know if he's, it's the wife, the girlfriend, I, but she um, she's a special person. And Jerry was he was a great teammate. I mean, those guys just uh, were the ultimate teammates, and you know, guys you wanted on your team. And um, 
it's tragic what happened to Jerry, but people need to understand that Joey Couch and Jerry Bell, they gave tremendous effort, and they loved the hell out of Kentucky football. And um, those guys um, really were, uh, were great teammates. Doug Palfrey. Doug's another hometown guy, you know, that, uh, you know, just, to, just you know, Doug was super good guy, you know, great kicker, kicked for the Bengals for a number of years. Um, and uh, he's just always smiling, always happy. Todd Perry. You know, Todd was one. He was another sleeper, you know, 12 years in the NFL, and but he's a mammoth of a person. You know, Todd and six foot five now, legit six foot five. Everybody, he's walking <laughs> around. Everybody's gonna say, "Well, he's six foot eight. You know, you know. I tell people all the time, I'm like, you know, when you tell me you're six three, and I'm looking down at you, I know you're about five eleven. But, um, but Todd was just, uh, you know, one of those those guys that, uh, you know, just a good teammate. You know, just a good person. Mark Eskin. Mark, same thing. You know, just. All those guys, you know, I can't, I can't say one bad thing about any of these guys I played with, you know. A guy who later become head of the Courier Journal, Wes Jackson. I'll tell you, my senior year, Wes Jackson, we nicknamed him Lucky, you know, because uh, his freshman year, him and a couple buddies go out to the hockey game, and a couple frat guys think they're going to be cool and say a couple words to him. Well. Wes and his two buddies put a couple of them in the hospital. <laughs> so uh, so that didn't go well for Wes. So he gets in trouble his rookie year, his freshman year. Then Wes's mom becomes a county clerk of Louisville. Correct. And he thinks he's going to take her car. And uh, and I think he wrecked her car. Our senior year, um, Wes gets in uh, into an argument with our academic advisor and dumps his desk on him. So Bill Curry says, all right, Wes, I've had enough. Like every year, you know, you're getting in trouble. So you're going to run the stadium every morning at 5. He had to run the stadium in the spring. He had 9 o'clock curfew every night. So he was 9 a.m. in in his dorm room every night, and he had had to run the stadiums every day. And he had to keep he had to maintain above a 3.0 GPA. Now, Wes was smart, so that wasn't hard for Wes, but – you know, the whole can't go home. I mean, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, 9 a.m. in his dorm. So the summertime comes, and um, we're, out of, we're out of class. So Bill Curry says, okay, Wes, I'm going to get you a job with Woodall Construction. And um, so he calls, you know, Mr. Woodall and says, all right, Wes, we're going to pick you up at 6 a.m. at the Super America by your apartment. And he's my roommate my roommate for the summer they put him on give him a chainsaw and they give him a stack they take him out to where in frankfurt where that new starbucks is and dick sporting goods all that area out there and they give him a chainsaw and they say we're gonna you're gonna cut this pile of wood every day and you're gonna wood chip it and he had a chainsaw from 6 a.m until 5 o'clock p.m every day he would come in covered in sawdust, covered in sweat. He'd pass out in the chair uh, in our living room. Wake up the next morning, take a shower, 
brush off all the sawdust, and then go back out and do it again. So finally, he loses about 30 pounds. And the, the strength coach comes to me and says, hey, where's Wes at? And I said, coach, I said, he's working his tail off. And I said, they got him on a on a wood pile that's three stories high for 11 hours a day sawing wood. So he calls Bill Curry up and he says, Bill, I got to get Wes Jackson off the wood pile. So we got to get him out here working out. And so Bill Curry you know, calls up Mr. Woodall, Woodall Construction, and says, hey, I need, I need my football player back here working out. So they take Wes and they put him on a different job, and, and Wes ends up, you know, coming out his senior year and having a great, uh, great senior year. But uh, you want to talk about a character guy. You want to talk about somebody who has, you know, made mistakes and come learn from them and – and has done a lot of great things with his life and, um, you know, just a, a leader and a, and a person that uh, I think can kind of live to, to tell the tales and, and, and show his uh, leadership and do the things he's, he's accomplished. Um, I, uh, I've got a lot of stories about Wes and, you know, he's, uh, he, he'll, he'll verify all of them, but, but I'm I'm really proud of Wes, and um, you know we all make stupid mistakes when we're young. But I'm telling you, he, he's paid he's paid more than the price. <laughs> I promise you that he he's he's learned he's learned his lessons the hard way. So that's probably why he's running the Courier Journal and had Yahoo buy him out of his company and had the success that he's had because he's he's been very successful in his uh, in his life. David Park. He's my roommate for five years. You know his son is top top player in the state of Kentucky right now um being offered by everybody in the country and um he's he's just a, a good friend of mine and a good teammate and somebody I learned a lot from and um you know my induction into the University of Kentucky uh, Hall of Fame you know David gave that speech and you know he um he's uh he's he's a person I have a lot of respect for and, and admiration for and I just uh can't thank him enough for the things that we went through as as players and friends and teammates. Barry Rich. Barry, you know, just uh Barry Monroe County baby, you know, he's uh <laughs> he's uh, Barry's, you know, was always always happy, always smiling, always, you know, had a had a had a really uh positive attitude about things and um, just a great person, great person. Pookie Jones. You know, Pookie was that that athlete coming out of high school that uh, you know he uh, he led us to the bowl game. You know, I mean he he really was. I mean he's his athleticism and leadership and just uh, you know still lives here in town. Really involved in youth baseball and um, I think baseball is his passion. But uh, was just a, a great teammate to have. Antonio Farrell. Antonio, you know, a kid from New York and, uh, you know, came in with a little bit of an attitude and he was, he was a gritty guy, you know, I mean, you know, we won the, we won the, the South Carolina game, you know, my senior year on Thursday night, you know, big, big game, big, big game. And, you know, he comes in, I think Pookie got hurt or something happened and Antonio comes in and, yeah, you know, we we end up running that triple option on him, and we end up winning the game. You know, and uh, 
you know, that was that was a exhilarating, you know, really intense, fun game, and that was a good that was a good win to be a part of. Hey, he came back and did a little radio a few years later. It was really good. I miss his, miss him being on radio now, and he sort of, uh, you know, told it like it was, so to yeah. speak. Yeah, yeah. Mo Williams. Mo was a freshman. You know, <laughs> I, I played more games against Mo in the pros than I did at UK. But uh, you know, I mean, you talk about one of the greatest running backs I ever played at Kentucky. You know, um, Mo. You know, he just. 1600 yards Mo rushed for over a thousand yards his freshman year you know and then uh, I think his junior year before he decided to go pro he had like 1600 yards and all SEC and things and uh, you know just just enough I mean we have so many we had so many good guys you know that were always smiling working hard you never complaining type of people on our team Damon Hood you know Damon uh Damon was one of those guys coming out he was Mr. Kentucky you know, just tons of athleticism. And uh, when Mo got signed, Damon moved to fullback. So I don't think Damon was real happy, you know, that year. But but uh, just a great person and a great teammate. Randy White. You know, Randy transferred from uh, from Louisville. You know, so Randy. You know, he he came to Kentucky. He came up. He came from uh, Louisville. And he's like, "Thank God I'm here." He said, "Howard Snellenberg used to run us to death." You know, <laughs> I, I think Howard just. Uh, you know, I always thought when I was in Kentucky, Howard was just mean, crusty old guy. And I've met Howard, and he's he's a great person. Yes, he he, he's a great person. I love Howard. But uh, Randy, Randy, same thing. He's doing well down in Paducah. I think he's coaching the track team down there, and uh, went back down there. So he's doing well. Alfonso Browning. Alfonso Browning, you know, um, you know, he's not, he was a junior college transfer and, you know, when, uh, I'll never forget, you know, we, uh, me and Alfonso, you know, we, uh, playing the Vanderbilt game and after the Vandy game when we lost, Vanderbilt came over and they started a fight with us and, um, you know, guys were throwing helmets and they were throwing punches and, Mike Archer grabbed me by the back of my jersey and threw me in the lock, you know, ran me in the locker room. And Alfonso was the first one in there. And um, he came in, and um, me and him got into a little bit of a heated exchange because <laughs> he was blaming the offense. I was blaming, or he was blaming the defense. I was blaming the offense. And, uh, you know, but uh, he, we were both very passionate people, you know, about, uh, about our teams. And, um, you know, he was a great player, went on to play for the um, San Francisco 49ers for a couple of years. And, you know, he was really instrumental in us winning um, and uh, getting to a bowl game our senior year. Mark Chapman. Great teammate, you know, really hardworking. He was, you know, a walk-on guy that came to Kentucky and ended up playing a lot of senior year. But just a really good, good person. Terry Samuels. You know, Terry, uh, Terry was this guy that, uh, you know, he uh, – Came from Louisville and, you know, big personality, you know, um, big, uh, you know, um, big time player for us on offense. Just, you know, a tremendous talent coming out of high school and uh, just, you know, his senior year, he really kind of put things together and he ended up getting drafted by the Phoenix Cardinals and playing a couple years out there. And I've run into Terry, you know, since then and he's doing really well in insurance up in Louisville now and, um, has really done 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 well for himself. Coaches, Jerry Claiborne. You know, I mean, Coach Claiborne, you know, coached me. You know, I didn't really, 
you know, get to know Coach Claiborne as well as, you know, the other guys. Um, but, you know, a lot of respect for Coach Claiborne. I think, you know, um, what he accomplished, you know, in Kentucky and Maryland and throughout his coaching career um, just uh, commanded a lot of respect and leadership. Bill Curry. I mean, you know, I think Bill Curry is one of the greatest human beings that um, that I know, you know, as far as his uh, – You know, just the the presence of Bill Curry when he walks in a room, you know, uh, how he treats people. You know, he always said, you know, treat people as you want to be treated. And he and he, and he did that, you know. Um, you know, faith, family, uh, religion, football is how he put it. You know, I mean, uh, f- uh, I think it was, it was faith, family, education, football. I think that's how, that's how it was. And, you know, and it... Uh, he he really he really was about that you know he was about doing the right thing all the time uh, doing the right um you know as far as being a person and going to class he really cared about his players you know i will say that about him you know we uh education you know was number one you know and um just you know i think um i think he he was someone that uh really inspired and and helped a lot of guys on the team bill parcells you know, I uh, honestly I can't uh, I can't say enough about Bill Parcells. You know, my my first day walking in the Patriots facility, Bill Parcells looked at me and he said, um, "Marty, how big are you?" And I said, "I'm six foot one. I'm 242 pounds." And he said, "If you're below two, he said, um, "No." So here's what happened, Oscar. So I walk in the facility with Al Groh, the linebacker coach, and he said. Um, he said, hey, Marty, how are you? He said, how big are you? And I said, I'm six foot one, 242 pounds. He goes, I'll take him down and weigh him. Come back up and tell me what he weighs. So I go down. Now weighs me. I weigh 242 on the nose. I walk back upstairs. He said, Coach, 242. He said, if you drop below 240, I'm going to cut you. <laughs> if I had been there five minutes, you know, I hadn't been there five minutes, you know. But uh, but he was a guy that got every bit of uh, – every bit you had out of you and um just you know somebody i have a great deal of respect for bill belichick you know bill was a lot better when he was in 96 as the defensive coordinator than he was as the head coach you know uh, i say that laughing but <laughs> you know um you know coach belichick you know he's um he he does have a personality you know um it's uh it's one of those where he um, is one of the greatest minds in football. And I think that he um, absolutely, you know, uh, wants the best for his players, but he also demands a lot of respect. And he knows that to make everything run efficiently, you have to have everybody on the same team. And it's a Bill Parcells mentality, it's a Bill Belichick mentality. You know, they, they, we put an anchor in our locker room uh, one year because we had too many guys who were overweight and too many guys that weren't showing up to meetings on time and things like that. And so we put a bit of anchor in there, and he said, don't don't weigh the team down. And what he meant by that is start doing things right or you're not going to be on this team. And we got rid of 35 guys. And then next year we won the Super Bowl. <laughs> Growing up, your first sports idol. Herschel Walker. 
So I grew up, Herschel Walker grew up in very poor. I was, we grew up very poor. I, I will not say as poor as Herschel Walker, but I will say that we were not. Uh, Fort Thomas always comes off as a persona of people with money. We didn't have money. You know, we were going to the food bank on Sundays, helping the church. I was um, cutting weeds every Saturday with my mom, cleaning bus shelters. Um, you know, my mom was watching kids babysitting. If I wanted something, I had to go earn it. I had to cut grass. I had to go work to get what I wanted. And Herschel Walker was a guy that kind of stood out to me. I read an article about Sports Illustrated, and I cut it out, and I put his put the articles on the wall. He said, I do 200 push-ups, 200 sit-ups every night. So I started doing to put 200 push-ups, 200 sit-ups. And I, you know, have the tire wrapped around my body. And, you know, people made fun of me in high school. So I started to work out and started to get faster. And so I I just really, he inspired me to um, to kind of be, you know, don't ever let someone tell you you can't do something. You know, don't don't have anyone tell you you can't do it. And um, and I kind of took that motto and said, you know, you're not going to tell me I can do it because I'm going to show you I can. And um, and just uh, he, he really inspired me. And then when I got the tackling, when I got in the pros, I was I almost stood up and said, man, can I get your autograph after the game? <laughs> <laughs> uh, during your five years in college or year four that you played, the most hostile stadium you played in on the road? It's Florida. I mean, just that, you know, you're right behind that old baseball dugout. And it, I don't know if it's changed or not. No, I didn't. You know, but they're four yards. They're literally – the students used to be about ten yards from you, you know. And so we would always play them at the, in November. And so by that time they're going to the Sugar Bowl or the Orange Bowl or they're – they want to know what, you know, kind they're of this home. is where we want to go, right? We're we're going home and and um, they would they would throw – sugar cubes at you or orange peels at you or whatever bowl they were going to or whatever bowl they were going to yeah. and they'd pick a guy out and make fun of him on the team and it is you know it was uh definitely the most hostile where was the one stadium that you enjoyed playing in on the road or you, was there one? you know i mean georgia between the hedges i mean that's that's a, that's a really cool place if you can avoid the kids spitting on you as you walk under the stadium, you're good. You know, they, they sit there and they spit and it drops as you, the team walks under the stadium. So you got to watch the little kid time his spit and then walk him, you know, before he hits you. <laughs> the best opposing coach you ever played against, college level. Yeah, I mean, Steve Spurrier by far. Yeah. Best opponent you ever played against what team you know i mean i'm gonna say tennessee like as far as team or player team i would say tennessee because tennessee i mean even the good years we had we never even sniffed beating them you know i mean they just for some reason they just always had our number and maybe it was because it was the end of the year and we were weren't very good and no one on the team was really inspired to go out and try to win the game i don't know the best game you ever played? Well, it's it's probably in the Florida game my senior year. 
you know. I mean, I had two, I had two games my senior year, you know, where I was, I was SEC Player of the Week. I had two picks. I had fumble recovery, and I think I had about 14 tackles. And so that, that's got to be, you know, the, the, the game that stands out to me the most. The best victory as a team. You know, the, the I would say the best victory as a team we had was my senior year. You know, I'll go back in year. So my junior year would be no miss at home. You know, we beat Ole Miss at home. We were when that got us to four and two. We were riding high. We beat them twenty to seven or twenty to nothing. You know, it was a really good game. And then my senior year, we went down and we played um, Mississippi State. And uh, Melvin Johnson created a fumble opening kickoff. We went in and scored, and we we murdered them down there in Starksville. But um, those are the two games that I kind of stand out in my mind. Best decision you've ever made in your life. Uh, going to the University of Kentucky. I really think that, that decision has um, created a lot of opportunities for me as a person, and uh, I do feel like it uh, was the best decision. Is there any one thing that you would change if you had to do over again? Uh You know, if I had to change one thing in my life, um, you always have regrets, right? So, you know, I always regret not saying I love you more to my mom and dad because they're both gone you know I I think things happen in my life for a reason right and um, I don't think I would be the person I am if they don't happen that way you know because in life there's obstacles God puts in front of you and you're either going to take them and you're going to go through them and you're going to fight like hell to make your life better on the other side. Or you're going to take that easy path and you're going to let that kind of mold you, right? So to me, it's one of these things that I don't have any one thing I regret. You know, I mean, I could say I regret dropping the ball in the Peach Bowl, you know. Um, I could say I regret, you know, uh, not being three yards inside on the kickoff and not letting, uh, um, you know, the Green Bay Packers run the kickoff back on us in 96 Super Bowl. You know, so I could say those things, but I think as far as regrets, I don't, I don't necessarily have any regrets in my life because I think everything that's happened in my life is for a purpose. The most influential person in your life? Uh... Let me you know, rephrase that. The most influential person in your life outside your family. Yeah, I mean, I would say that um, I've got a couple, you know. I mean, uh, I, think, uh, I think Tom Duffy taught me hard work, 
you know, in high school. I think he taught me that. I think Larry knew in college, uh, taught me how to set goals and to, um, you know, to, to be a better leader. Um, I think uh, Bill Parcells taught me to um, to give everything I have, I have and everything I do. Um, I think that uh, you know uh, it's uh, it's something that. Um, I think each person that I've come across has taught me a little something about myself and about how to lead my life, you know. How would you like to be remembered? Uh, yeah, I'd like to be remembered as, as a guy who tried to do things the right way, you know, guy guy that was dependable, a guy that, you know, was caring, um, that gave us time and was unselfish. Um, that uh, did the most he could with what he had. Um, I remember by my kids as a father that was there for them, um, that uh, supported them. And, um, you know, I think that I would like for people to say, you know, Marty Moore. Um, what a good person he was and how he would um how he helped and uh was unselfish and um was someone that uh I would want my kids to essentially you know maybe aspire to be or you know um look up to as a role model you know i mean if i could have a kid come up to me and say and you're my role model. I want it to be like you. And um, then that would that'd be something that I would say, you know what? I've accomplished something. You know, if I can touch one kid. You know, because Oscar, I mean, I do all these speaking engagements, right? I mean, I go, I've never put a drug in my body. I've never tasted a drop of alcohol. You know, I talk to kids about setting goals and doing the right thing. And um, if I can have one kid that I talk to you know, kind of do those things, then I feel like I've I've done something positive. And if I can just be a positive person to other people, then that's what I want to be. You just finished listening to Episode 72 of Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and Double Dogs. Our many thanks to Marty Moore for sharing his story with Oscar and the Big Blue Nation. If you not had the chance to listen to the first two episodes of this series with Marty, I strongly encourage you to do so. Those episodes are 70 and 71, and they can be found as well as all episodes of Conversations at OscarCombs.com. And for your mobile devices, you can listen to Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and Double Dogs for absolutely free. Just search for at Wildcat News and subscribe in both iTunes and the Google Play Store, and each episode will be automatically downloaded to your mobile device and ready for you to listen to at your convenience. For the happenings with the cats, follow Oscar on Twitter. Follow him at Wildcat News. On our next episode, Oscar welcomes UK legend Cotton Nash to the conversation. 
And there's just no other way to describe it other than Cotton is one cool cat. For Marty Moore and Oscar, I'm Bo Robinson, and thank you for listening to Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and Double Dogs. And as always, go Big Blue.